Hey, NoosaCast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast with friends or follow us on Facebook, X, TikTok, or Instagram. Now, let's get this show on the road. All of a sudden, I'm in my mid-20s and I'm a, I'm a head varsity coach. And honestly, it was a lot of trial by fire. You know, I give a lot of credit to to that athletic director for not only giving me an opportunity, but just allowing me to try to make a program my own. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Welcome to your New Year episode. Um, starting off 2024 with a bang, hopefully. Um, it's been a it's been a blast so far, Joe. It has enjoying uh enjoying doing all these episodes. It's been fun. Oh, I love it, Tash. I love it. How long does it take? Not not that many people write checks anymore, but how many months does it take you to write the correct year when you're writing out a check? Oh, I have F's. I I kind of get it right Do away. You? Yeah. You're a better man than me, Tosh. <laughs> so. It's a memory thing, Tosh. It's not my strong suit, that's for sure. Did you have a good New Year's? Happy New Year, by the way. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all the listeners as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, Ethan had some people over, uh, some some guys, and they were playing darts and air hockey and ping pong and NHL on the uh, PlayStation or Xbox, whatever they were playing. And uh, we got together with some neighbors and kind of had dinner at one neighbor's house and then went to another neighbor's house and watched a Packer game. And uh, just kind of, it was it was kind of low-key, to be honest. How about yourself, Joe? Yeah, you know, I, mine was kind of low-key as well. Got together with a couple of friends from work and went to their house. And, you know, everybody brought a snack and um we played, just had a game night, shot the breeze. And it was actually, it was really nice to actually stayed up till midnight. I don't do that every year. So had had a nice, played a new game, Frackle, I think it was called. Nice dice game and okay. had a lot of fun. Nothing wrong with that. Have some adult beverages as well. Did. I had a little, I uh, had a little wine. Uh, had a little champagne, you know, little, <laughs> little, I even had a little beer. Did, did the old rainbow, I guess, now that I think about it. You might as well go for it all on New Year's Eve, right? That's right. That's right. Amateur night, but uh, no, we amateur night kept it low key. House yep. parties are the are the not that this was a house party, but uh, you know what <laughs> I mean. We we would kept it low key, and it was a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, that's fantastic. So, what are you looking forward to in the new year, Joe? Well, most definitely the Nusa Cast, Tosh. You know, we talked about how much fun we're having, and I really am looking forward to this. I mean, we're, we're I feel like you and I are kind of hitting our stride. We're understanding what we want to do um, before we hit record tonight. You know, you and I always kind of have our little pregame. We talk about who we want to bring on, and we have some really cool ideas. So. From from that standpoint, I'm really, really excited for us to just keep this going and, and, you know, hopefully maybe find some sponsors and more than anything, just have, just keep doing what we're doing, just finding really cool and interesting yeah. people. So that's really, really what I'm, what I'm looking forward to in 2024. How about you? Just piggybacking on what you said, um, you know, just sitting and talking, there's a lot of people that we would like, 
to uh, have on, but there's a lot of people in this community that we don't even know about, which listeners, if you have suggestions, this is that time where we're going to shout out to you and say, email us, you know, newsacast at gmail.com. That that's, you know, we'd love to be able to connect with people in the community who have a good story. Um, You've listened to 25 episodes of this news of the newsacast and you kind of know what it's about at this point. I hope so. And (laughs) hopefully we can, uh, you know, get some people that you would like to hear on this newsacast as well. But I think we do have some good interviews coming up. Um, We have some people to connect with and um, yeah, I I think it's going to continue in the right direction. And like you said, I think one of the biggest things is if we can continue to put out content, but also get some of the sponsors back so we can start looking at what we can do for youth sports in our community. No, exactly. And like we said in, in last week's episode, you know, it's, it's important for us to keep this podcast going to kind of keep the, the word out, keep, keep things relevant, you know, spread the word. I, we'll, we'll look at doing a live event as well at, at, at some point and that, um, can't guarantee exactly what that'll look like, when that'll happen, but it's something that we're definitely going to look at it as well. So we got a lot of cool things, I think, lined up. We're, we're having a lot of fun. We kind of feel rejuvenated, reborn, and we feel like we kind of found a niche. We feel like people kind of like this kind of stuff. It kind of seems that way. And, you know, that goes back to another point. You know, give us your feedback yeah, as well. We like that. You know, if you're listening, yeah, if you like that, we, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, so feedback is, is awesome. You can email us, um, you know, write reviews on, uh, on wherever you get your podcasts, uh, or YouTube and, you know, just, just continue to let us know, you know, if this is something you want to want to continue to see happening, um, give us some ideas, give us some feedback. So we know we're going in the right direction. Absolutely. Tosh on a personal note. I mean, you and I shame this or share the same views with the new cast, but how about you? Not, not maybe it doesn't even have to be a resolution, but what, uh, anything you're looking forward to in 2024? You know, I, I think the biggest things for me is, uh, just seeing what my, what my boys and the family are going to continue to do. Um, Will will be finishing his freshman year at college and Ethan, uh, I, I'm excited for Ethan as well. Uh, finishing the hockey season. We have about a month here, uh, you know, a couple months really with playoffs and stuff. Um, for hockey, but um, I'm excited for the lacrosse to be WIA yeah. and see where that goes. Um, I, that's going to be interesting. Uh, it'll be Ethan will be a freshman, so it'll be the first year that's WIA. So that'll be cool. Uh, yeah, it's you know, just yeah, it's watching my boys grow and um, you know, hopefully, you know, everybody stays healthy and uh, continues on the right paths and you know, just. Just uh, keep keep going forward. Yeah, no, ex- exactly. I mean, that, that's ultimately what uh, what what the resolution would be, right? For us, I mean, you think right. you think about your family, about your kids. You want them to do well. I do. You know, I I've never been much of a resolution person. Last year, I I yeah. actually did and and actually hit my my resolutions. So I'm definitely going to keep. The, I think I'm just going to renew them, and they're they're pretty simple. I, I want to <laughs> drink more water. I think that that's important. Okay. I still got one from PFT on part of my take, but I thought, you know what? That kind of makes sense. Just drink more water. Should be easy to do. Obtainable. 
And then my other one yep. is simple. I mean, it, it it went really well last year. I think I'm going to keep it going this year. And that's just to simply just not cut my hair. <laughs> there you so go. I'm good. I, I think I can hit these two again this year. I, I think you can. Yeah, I, I'm not a resolution person, so <laughs> I'm not even going to throw anything out there. <laughs> well, we're good. Um, I know people have those resolutions and I, I love seeing all the memes and stuff out there that, you know, January 1st, and all these uh, big plans in January 2nd, all plans shot. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> hopefully it's not that bad for people. <laughs> it's just like, a, it, it's funny, it, it, like a gym. You'll go month of January, it's just packed. There's no parking. You can't, you know, get on a machine. February 1st, place is just, you know, like it used to be, just wide open. Everything's open. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, and I, I, I guess, you know, this is New Year's Day, but we got to talk about the Packers. A little bit here. Um, fantastic. They looked really good against those evil Minnesota Vikings and put themselves in a good sh- in a good place. All they have to do is win and yeah. do something that a lot of people didn't think they would, and that's possibly make the playoffs. Yeah, I think I even mentioned that they were dead on, on this show you know, a while back. Hello to the dogs. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they agree. <laughs> Yeah, I mean yes. the NFL is something, Tosh, isn't it? I guess you're it's it's not over until it's over. So you're right. You win you're in. Right. You know, as Mike Holmgren used to say, just qualify for the tournament. Anything can happen after that. So the NFL is you have one team that's looking really dominant right now. Yeah. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Um, but everybody else, I mean, you see the Eagles lose what, the third in a row? And not looking very good. Uh the Chiefs looking okay. San Francisco's looking good, but there's a lot of teams that are packed up where anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday. And they really so. can, because every one of those teams you mentioned at one time, those were the can't-lose teams. So so teams, and it's right. always been this way. They ebb and flow, they streak, um, you get hot at the right time, and, and yeah, there's a, there's luck involved. You know, Injuries play a part, but there's just flat-out luck sometimes that are involved in these games. So. That's why you play the football games. This the NFL is great right now with with you know this final week yeah. and and hit the playoffs and it's 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 a run to the Super Bowl. We we it, it's football at its finest. It's always fun when there's a lot of excitement yet the last week of the season. Oh gosh, yeah. And there's a lot of teams playing for something. Yeah, something this week. So week eighteen should be fun. Absolutely, we'll be watching. Well, with that, I think we can move on. And uh, like we said, um, catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you uh, like, subscribe, download, whatever you need to do to make sure you can continue to get these podcasts. And also check out the YouTube channel. Um, And if you get your podcasts that way or check out the throwbacks on YouTube. All right, NoosaCast listeners, it's time for the new year, um, and we're going to take an old look at new. Uh, that look at history, the look at things going on around our neck of the woods in northeast Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin or anywhere. Um, so, Joe, I'm going to throw it to you right away. 
What's your old look at new today? Yeah, Tosh. Well, you know, last week, Taylor, we had Taylor, our, our producer, on, and, and he helped us with, with an old look at new. And he took a look at a, at a Packer uh, fact at a Packer game. And I thought, you know what? A, a lot of really great things happened to the Green Bay Packers right around this time of, of year. You and I are recording on, on New Year's Day. But on New Year's Eve, 1961, now we're all familiar with the Ice Bowl. This was a little bit before the Ice Bowl. But same date, December 31st, 1961, the Packers hosted the NFL championship game at City Stadium. That was Lambeau Field, but it was not Lambeau Field yet. That would be four years later. In the days leading up to that game, there was an awesome picture. The field was covered with a tarp and a foot of hay to keep the grass dry under 14 inches of snow. So there's a picture like the night before, you know, Lambeau is, I don't know, a, a third of what it is right now um and and just you know 1961 equipment big tractors pulling this hay off packers went on to beat the new york football giants 37 to nothing and another championship for the green bay packers tash in 1961 nice so yeah they didn't they didn't quite have coils underneath the uh, grass in 1961 right well the legend (laughs) i I can't remember for sure but i always was under the uh, Lombardi always, I guess, got credit for wanting that under there. Uh, 61, though, Lombardi, that would have been a Lombardi year, I believe, right? I think that maybe that even would have been his first year. I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah, (laughs) 14 inches of snow, though, compared to what we have now. My goodness. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, Tash, how about you? What's uh, what's your old look at new? Like you said, we're recording this on uh, New Year's Day, 2024. So, um, you know, one of the things that I love on New Year's Day is is the Rose Bowl. So if we go all the way back to 1902, uh, the first Rose Bowl was played in 1902, and Michigan beat Stanford 49 to nothing. Wow, that's a lot of scoring in 1902. Yeah. So yeah, that was the first Rose Bowl in 1902. At the same so location, spe- is it the same location in, in Pasadena? I don't think it was at the same. I don't think it was at the same location. Sure. I think they called it Tournament Park. Okay, so it wasn't uh, wasn't the exact location it is now, but it was the Rose Bowl. But I don't think it was played every year. Um, I think there was a break in there, and um, it didn't get played again. Um, I'd have to look that up, but I want to say not until like 1912. The the so, history of just just the development of California is pretty interesting during that time. I mean, mm-hmm. it was nothing like it is yeah. now. And at that time, I no. mean, Hollywood was hardly, I mean, it wasn't even really there. It was, uh, right. I just listened to a really awesome podcast talking about the gold rush in, in 1948, 1949. It was, it was pretty interesting to, to, to see the explosion, to understand the explosion in California. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's Two good look, old looking news. They pretty relevant for New Year's Day. Yes. So Tosh, that was another exciting segment of an old look at new. All right, Newscast listeners. Um, I had a chance to sit down with Luke Harrigus, who is the AD and the girls volleyball coach, the two-time state champion girls volleyball coach. And we had just had a little talk about uh, his growing up sports he played um, and his coaching. And uh, 
also what's going on at Xavier. So really hope you enjoy this interview and we'll kick it off to Luke Harrigus. What we're going to do today is get to know Luke a little bit more and uh, talk about his runs and uh, just what's going on at Xavier in general. So, hey, welcome to the uh, podcast, Luke. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a uh, this is fun. I mean, I know Luke a little bit because uh, I'm the manager of the Fox City Stars boys hockey team, and Luke at Xavier is our AD, and Xavier's our host school. So I have quite a bit of contact with Luke, and I'm you know really excited to hear more about his uh, his volleyball and his interest. Um, I know him from a AD standpoint, but I want all of you to get to know him a little bit more as well. So. This is this should be fun, Luke. Um, I guess uh, you know we'll start out just talking about about you a little bit. You know, where did you grow up, and you know what were some interests that you had, and uh, just yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, I'm from uh, Kewaskum, Wisconsin, so about an hour south of here, uh, near West Bend. Um, okay. And growing up, I mean, I played sports. From little on, I mean, you know, everyone gets involved with like the t-balls and the soccer's and things like that. <laughs> but uh, then, you know, basketball and track uh, took a big, uh, you know, they were kind of in the forefront. Those are the things I focused on for a long time, and uh, you know, did basketball and track all the way through through high school at Kewaskum, yeah. and uh, after uh, high school as well, I, I did some track in college and uh, even played a partial year of football and, uh, and found volleyball as well. And, uh, that was all at Lakeland, uh, university over in uh, the Plymouth Sheboygan area. Yeah. How, how did, how did you find volleyball at college? I mean, you didn't play in high school, right? Yeah. So my, uh, randomly assigned freshman roommate in college (laughs) was, uh, on the men's volleyball team and, After a lot of convincing, he finally got me to go to a couple open gyms and just hang around with the team. And, uh, yeah, eventually I gave it a shot. And, um, fortunately Lakeland being division three, there's just a ton of opportunities for, for students, uh, that also want to be athletes. And, um, yeah, really, uh, fortunate to have that opportunity because it's definitely, definitely shaped and directed the, you know, my path in life. That's awesome. I, I do have a question for you. Um, when I was coaching baseball at Lawrence, we obviously played Lakeland a few times and have been to that campus. So what drew you to Lakeland University? I mean, it's it's a it's a great school, but it's kind of by itself. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. D- what didn't draw me was the campus. No, uh, um, <laughs> it is literally in the middle of a cornfield. That's not even an exaggeration. Uh, and everyone jokes about that. But uh, I had um, actually three cousins that are quite a bit older than me uh, had graduated there uh, back in the day. Yeah. And um, the one cousin was he was on the board of trustees there. And he knew I was a little bit undecided late in high school where I wanted to go uh, and and what I wanted to study. So, uh, you know, he pushed Lakeland. I had a visit Uh, again. It took me a little bit of convincing uh, and eventually, you know, (laughs) took the, you know, took the leap and and made it home for four years. So that's awesome. I, I suppose. I mean, when you really think about it and a school like Lakeland offers a lot because 
you do get those small class sizes and you get that feeling that everybody there is, is kind of family. And is that something that you, that you liked from Lakeland? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, at Kewaskam, it was, I mean, I had a class of around 150, you know, okay. pretty, pretty small, uh, Lakeland and we weren't too much bigger, 200, 225. And, you know, it okay. was just, it was like going to a bigger high school, uh, in that sense, <laughs> uh, which, you know, being from a small town that was, uh, it was comfortable. You know, I don't know okay. how I would have done in big classes with a hundred or 200 students in one room at a time, you know, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> having 20 to 30 students, it, it felt like home and, uh, it really worked out. And you're close enough to home also that, you know, you're far enough away to be away, but close enough to be still close enough to be a family. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Home was about an hour drive. So it was easy to, easy to get back when I needed to. That's awesome. You had no aspirations going to Lakeland about playing any sports. It was just going to school and this kind of fell in your lap a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I was still into track. So I I did, I did run track for two and a half years at Lakeland. Uh, Okay. And so I I high jumped there and did some triple jump for them. But uh, the, the track program was kind of a startup uh, till to this day, Lakeland still doesn't have a track on campus. We would, uh, we'd go to Howard's Grove, uh, high school, sure. uh, which was about, you know, five, 10 minute drive and we'd train there. But, uh, you know, once I found volleyball, uh, that started to take the priority. Okay. And what, what is it, what was it about volleyball that drew you in automatically? It's fun. It is, <laughs> it is a fun sport and it was a new challenge. But, you know, having that multi-sport background, I was able to pick it yeah. up, I mean, you know, in a reasonable amount of time because, uh, I mean, multi-sport athletes are so important. That's something that we, you know, try and hammer home at Xavier especially. And, you know, you have all those skills and you know what it's like to be on a team. And, uh, yeah, just that, that background of, of training hard and, and uh, applying, you know, sport-specific skills to a different sport was – it was able to – I was able to do that. And, um like I said, it's just a blast. I mean, you can play volleyball indoor six on six, uh, two on two in the sand, three on three, four on yeah. four. I mean, it's just, it's one of those sports that you can just pick up and play for a lifetime too. Uh, That's great. Yeah. I think one of the things you just touched on is a common theme that we have through a lot of our interviews is the multi-sport mm-hmm. and how important it is to play multiple sports. So your body is being pulled in different directions. You're not just doing the same thing over and over again. And we, we kind of are getting to a point where we are seeing a lot of our high school athletes um, play multiple sports. But as you mentioned, you can't uh, not play multiple sports, I should say. As you mentioned, you came from a small, a small high school. You went to a small college. Those types of environments kind of force people to play multiple sports as well. And now you're at Xavier as well, which is another smaller school. And um, you said you're you're kind of make that a priority when you talk to athletes as well. Yeah, it's yes, we're at about 460 this year for enrollment yeah. that's at Xavier. So, I mean, if everyone did one sport, it'd be hard to field you know teams in general, but then just to have right. competitive teams. And yeah, I think it just creates a well-rounded person you know, on top of just, you know, the skills and maybe injury prevention and things like that. But, you know, maybe you're the star athlete in one sport and you go to a different sport in, 
you're in a different role. Maybe you're on the bench a little bit more, you know, maybe you have to be, um, you know, take that back seat. So you can have a little bit of empathy. Uh, so when you are the star, you can be a great leader. You can uh, make all the teammates feel valued. And when you're the one taking the back seat, uh, you know, you can earn or uh, you can own that role. Right. I, I think back to when, when I was coaching at Lawrence, our baseball players, I think I can remember in 10 years of coaching one baseball player who was sports specific. Every one of our players that we had played multiple sports. And even when they came to Lawrence, again, another smaller school, um, some of them played multiple sports as well. Um, football and baseball, basketball and baseball. We even had a couple of wrestlers in baseball. Um, and it is such an important piece. I, I, I love watching division twos and the threes and you see all of those kids who are playing multiple sports. And when you get to the D one programs, you don't see that all the time. And I, I think it's just a huge part of growing up and a huge part of becoming a, a good person. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it humbles you a little bit when you're not the the stud player on on a certain team and you gotta step back and watch others do it. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you know, volleyball too, it's in a tough spot. It's you know, a club is driving it a little bit. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, kids with dreams of maybe playing beyond high school will get seen. And, you know, I mean, we owe a lot of our success, you know, that credit, a lot of that's due to club. It really is. And, you know, so we're in a little bit of a catch 22 where, okay, how do you balance both, you know, and, and when is, when is enough enough and when is it too much? So yeah, it is, it is a fine balance. And, um, you know, if you can have one that you focus on, but then you got one or two others that, you know, even right. if you just do it for fun, like, right. I mean, exactly. it's, it's useful. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be fun. So, yeah. You played uh, how many years at Lakeland? I was, uh, I was on the volleyball team for two. Two years. Okay. Yeah. And well, let's, let's talk about Lakeland too. Did, what were you doing at Lakeland? What were you studying or what did you end up <laughs> yeah. doing at Lakeland? Uh, so I got a degree in exercise science. That, that was my, that was my undergrad study. And, uh, yeah, I did track my freshman, sophomore year, and then I did the indoor season, my junior year, but junior year was also my first year of volleyball. Like when I say it took me some convincing to go for volleyball, it took me two years. So (laughs) that is uh, so convincing. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, after indoor season ended in about February for, uh, for track, then volleyball was ongoing, but it really started picking up. And so, um, you know, it was time for, you know, me to close the door in my track career. You know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't seeing the improvements and anything like, like I had been in the past. And, you know, part of that was the facilities and just the obstacles that were in our way. But really, you know, when that door closed, the volleyball one opened, you know, it opened up wide and, uh, you know, I've been running with it ever since. That's awesome. So you get that degree. And what's your next uh, next path after after college? Yeah, so I spent some years uh, between different gyms as a personal trainer. Okay. Uh, but immediately that fall, uh, I was actually an assistant volleyball coach for Appleton East uh, oh, on, okay. on the boys on the boys side. <laughs> so I, I primarily helped JV. Uh, I did a little bit with the varsity, 
but the same college roommate, uh, he was the JV coach there and, and yeah. asked me to just come and help. Right. All and right. so, I mean, you know, shaking balls and throwing them in for drills and, you know, just getting to know the guys. Yeah. And so that was in 2010. That was in 2010. And, uh, the next year I had gone to still personal training, but, uh, then I'd gone to Oshkosh North and I was the varsity assistant there. And, uh, that head coach had been there for, for a while and he took a different teaching job down in Fond du Lac. So he, he had left and, uh, the Oshkosh North, uh, head varsity job kind of fell in my lap. Um, okay. I had been coaching for, for two years and I played for two, uh, I, you know, wasn't super experienced and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm, you know, in my mid twenties and I'm a, I'm a head varsity coach. And, uh, honestly, it was a lot of trial by fire. It, you know, I give sure. a lot of credit to, to that athletic director for not only giving me an opportunity, but just allowing me to try to make a program my own to, mm -hmm. to, to make mistakes because you know, I'm probably not in the position I'm in right now without that. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I think what helped me too was the fact that I didn't know as much about the sport as other people, because I had to okay. go, I had to go out there and I almost had to turn it into a degree on the side. Like, you know, I mean, sure. reading books, watching videos, going to clinics, uh, coaching club, volleyball, just to, you know, just get uh, more experience. Um, so I was there for four years before I, uh, before I got to Xavier in 2016. Um, during that time as well, I, I did get my master's degree in coaching, okay. in coaching and athletic administration. Okay. Uh, I did it all online. I just took one class at a time um, through Concordia Irvine in California. Sure. Uh, so they, yep. got a, they got a great master's program. And uh, like I said, I was just uh, trying to learn as much as I could, not only about volleyball, but just the profession. And uh, that was, it just seemed like a good fit. And it seemed like something I could uh, just fit into, you know, your busy everyday life. So. Mm -hmm. so how were those first few years being a head coach and how did you relate to your players? Well, I, you know, I've been got a ways to go here, but, you know, at that time I was kind of like in the big brother stage, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> so it wasn't that hard to relate to them because, okay. you know, at 25, 26 years old, you're not that much older than them. Right. You know, and so they're, they're looking up to you in a little bit of a different way so that they you have a little bit of credibility just there. Right. You're still yep. kind of cool, um, you know, <laughs> just, just enough. Right. So that. Um, but those first years, I mean, it was it was going off of what those those other coaches had taught me. OK, it was it was running drills and training the way that, you know, I had been trained in, in college and that I had seen. And then it was just, you know, you read a book or you go to a clinic. Hey, let's just apply something new. And it was just, yeah. you know, look in the moment, I didn't realize it. But really looking back, I mean, it was a giant science experiment. You know, just, <laughs> it really was, you know, trying to find yeah. your own principles and, and uh, you know, applying them to each skill. And volleyballs, you know, like all sports is very multifaceted. You know, it, it's, right. it's a lot more than just, you know, bump, set, spike. And, uh yeah, it was, it was great. And honestly, I just, you know, those kids, I got to give them some, some credit too, because, you know, they dealt with that and, um, <laughs> you know, what I lacked maybe in volleyball acumen, you know, I made up in just, you know, the relationships and trying to give kids a worthwhile experience. Do you still hold, uh, 
talk to some of those former players from that time period? There's there's a few. There's okay. a few because I mean they're I mean they're getting up there now too. I mean not up there, but like they're in their thirties now, yeah. and um, yeah, there's a few that I know have families and you know they moved all over and got their degrees, but. Uh, yeah, there, there's a couple that I still see from back in those days and, you know, it's all, it's all smiles and, you know, well wishes when we see each other. So, so that was the boys program. So, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, 2010 was Appleton East for the boys. And then 2011 was girls at, at North, Oshkosh North. Oshkosh North. Okay. So I want to know, you know. Uh, we don't have to get into it too much, but a little bit of the differences between coaching girls and coaching boys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there definitely are some it's, it, it's, it's hard to put your thumb on, you know, it's, it's, I, I think the boys are maybe a little bit more, um, like kind of willing to maybe take risks or just yeah. let it hang out there and, and just go for it. And, um, they're, you know, they're definitely more self-confident. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the girls though, I think you can, you can form a relationship with them just a little bit better because when you start teaching them something, you know, they'll start to respect you. And then you just, you treat them just, I mean, like a good person and a human being and, Right. Um, when you create that relationship piece, which was really what I could just hang on to at, the, at those early stages, because there wasn't sure. much, there wasn't too much, you know, great volleyball knowledge coming out of my mouth at that time. But, you know, you, you earn their respect and, and they will work hard for you. You know, they want to okay. know that you believe in them and that you appreciate them. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I prefer to coach girls over boys. OK, but there's. You know, there's there's positives to both sides. And, sure. you know, one thing that I would just like to continue to look into, especially as an athletic director, is, you know, how much more similar are the boys and girls? And maybe, you know, we realize, you know, can we coach boys? And I don't want to, don't want to make this sound wrong, but can we coach boys in ways that we also coach girls and vice versa? You know, yeah. I think sometimes people say, hey, you can't yell at, at the girls. Well, yeah, you can't yell negatively, you know, but you shouldn't be yelling yeah. negatively at the boys either. No. You know, and, and just, I mean, that's one, just maybe that's a little bit of an archaic example, but um, there might be more similarities out there than than we realize. It, I agree with you. I mean, I I grew up with, in a day and age where there were, ye- where coaches were yellers. They, they were definitely yellers. I had some all-time all-time great yellers as coaches, but <laughs> I also respected those coaches. Um, but it was a different day and age. And, and when I was coaching at Lawrence, I, I noticed that too, that, you know, I, I was like, well, I'm going to yell here because that's what I, that's yeah. how, that's what my experience. But then I would see these kids faces. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> they're different. You know, we're, we're a different group of, uh, they're a different group of kids. And, um, I'm sure you're, you've even seen that in the last 10 years 13 years that you've been involved in this. Um, kids have definitely, you know, th- th- we've changed a little bit and maybe, I mean, maybe you know why, but you know, I, I look at like social media and all these different types of things going on, but yeah, you're right. You, you can't be that negative yeller. You have mm-hmm. to have that encouragement. 
You do. And, you know, I, I think about that too is what if I would have been coached more like that? Yeah. You know, it could, you know, would, uh, you know, I had advanced better. Would I had a better experience in some areas? Not that I had bad ones, but, you know, you, you look at those what ifs because I, I had my handful of yellers too. You know, and I was almost like in that transition period where, you know, like, oh, they're starting to learn more about the art of coaching instead of just, yeah. And, you know, I think you're right. Social media plays into it a little bit. I mean, with your likes and your shares and everything on there, I mean, your self-confidence is on display for the public to see. Mm -hmm. And these kids just put so much of their self-worth into that. It's, um, you know, it's, it's gotta be hard. It really does. I mean, I, we didn't have texting when I was in, until I was in college, you know, and then, exactly. you're, then you're hitting, like, you know, the, the eight key four times to get the right letter. And, you know, it was, <laughs> but yeah, it has changed. And, you know, I'm not so sure. Is it the kids or are we just getting better at what we do for coaching? Yeah. Yeah. So during this time, you're learning, you're getting all kinds of new ideas and you jump into the club and. I, I don't know a ton about the club volleyball scene, but it seems in my mind that that early two thousands, mid two thousands was when club really started to, to to pick up. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can can uh, talk a little bit about what that club experience was like. Yeah, so my first experience in club was two thousand eleven, uh, and coaching. So when I was at North, that club was primarily just Oshkosh school districts, so West. And yep. north and then you, you had lourdes and valley christian but it was primarily yep. those kids in that area because we wanted to provide uh, a club volleyball experience that was affordable and that mm-hmm. allowed for multi-sport participation we did small okay. we did a small amount of tournaments uh four to five uh one to two practices a week uh, we you know we avoided game nights for basketball and uh we didn't travel further than an hour away Okay. So we, we really tried to make it about developing the kids in Oshkosh. And, um, you know, my club experience changed when I went to Xavier. I, uh, I started coaching at Fox Cities Elite in Appleton. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely, you know, at that time, you know, definitely more of a national program. And it has expanded even more since. And, I mean, that's that was eye-opening. Volleyball, you know, it gave, gave me the gift to travel the country a little bit. Okay. You know, I've, I've been to so many different places because of that. And I've seen so many, uh, you know, different, uh, not only different cities, but different kinds of athletes, different kinds of coaching styles. You know, I've gotten to meet some pretty incredible people because of it as well. And um, so club can be almost anything you want it to be, but it is, but you know, club volleyball, you know, it's, it's like AAU for basketball. Yeah. You know, it's, it can be very involved. And, you know, if you're, you know, quote unquote serious about it, you know, you can really play year round if you want to. I know some of uh, my students at Appleton East and uh, some of my son's friends who uh, played volleyball at uh, FVL. I, I know they would talk about, you know, yeah, I'm going out to Vegas this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the following weekend, I'm down in Orlando. Yeah. And just it just was was crazy to me because my kids weren't uh, the sports they played really didn't have that club level like that. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And is it a special type of kid that can do those types of travel and play in that type of situation? Yeah, it is. You know, it is. But, but our, our sport is really growing right now. 
And, you know, we are still climbing the hill and it is even in my 13 years in the Valley, what used to be able to get it done won't anymore. the, The talent level is so high and it's so deep and, um, but yeah, it takes a special kid to make a national traveling team like that and to be competitive because sure. you'll find, you'll find other teams, you know, uh, you know, in the state and around the country that they'll give the national option. Right. And, okay. and you can sign up and you can play in these tournaments, but you know, what are you really getting out of it other than to say you travel to these cities, you know? And so, you know, like FC elite, when, when we would travel, you know, we'd play at a, at a very high level you know, in some of the yeah. tough, in some of the tougher divisions. And our intent wasn't always to go and win. It was to go play the best we could find so we could improve. Yeah. You know, and, and that was part of the, that was part of our philosophy, right? We wanted to train kids so they could be better for their school teams. And, and if they were truly that unique individual that could play in college, that was, that and still is how you get seen. You know, those, okay. those big time college coaches, and even not so big time college coaches will go to these uh, more national and regional events because mm-hmm. they can see a whole pile of recruits at the same time. When there's right. hundreds of teams in you know one convention center, you know that's uh, you know pretty popular with those coaches. That right there has got to be a pretty cool experience when you have a convention center just full of volleyball being played. How many courts are being played and? That's got to be crazy. It is. I mean, so down in Milwaukee, when they have like the state championship, so to speak, for club, it's called Badger Region, and that has okay. about that has about thirty courts, and that's wow. that's actually quite small. <laughs> um, you know, when you go down to to Texas and you know Dallas, and you go to to Indy, which also connects to Lucas Oil Stadium, you'll have upwards over a hundred. Wow. Yeah, Lucas Oil is actually kind of unique because a convention center attaches and they'll put courts mm. on the turf. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's incredible. It, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, and then you see all these big time college coaches walking around like it's just, you know, business as usual. And I remember, you know, a number of years ago seeing that for the first time. It's like, oh, there goes the Nebraska coach and the Illinois coach. And sure. You know, they're they're sitting in the row in front of you and you don't know what to say or should I say anything? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, those are pretty neat experiences. Well, I I would assume that women's college volleyball has just been thrusted onto a main stage mm-hmm. over the last four or five years, and Wisconsin's um, success has probably played a huge has been a huge advantage to you getting girls to play and come out and the youth as well. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that, possibly? Yeah, the you know NCAA volleyball is it's had such a great year. Yeah. You, you had the you had the college matches in a football stadium down in That's down in Nebraska. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> over ninety thousand people filled that stadium, and and then uh, Wisconsin set an attendance record uh, in the Pfizer right. Forum playing Marquette. That was just beaten this past weekend down in Tampa at the oh, national championship. Yeah, yeah. and unfor- well, so on Thursday I was there for the semifinal, and so I was a part oh, of the nice. record. But then they beat it again on Sunday. So you know, I had my I had my seventy two hours or whatever. But um, but in, you do hear that though. You know, these these young girls are watching, and they they have role models. The way we look right. up to you know Michael Jordan or whoever, they're now talking yep. about these these college athletes like that. And um, even my own daughters, who are you know ten and five, you know, 
you know, they'll ask questions and they'll see and they'll know names and they'll know who's playing by their logo. And it, it's, it's neat to see because I don't know if we've ever been at that stage in, in female athletics. Right. And, and, and volleyball is just going to, like I said, it's, we're still growing. You know, I think the next steps are, uh, so in college, you not only host the first two rounds of the tournament, but then you'll host mm-hmm. both regionals as well in college. Right. You know, how can we get to neutral sites for those? Yeah. You know, like they do for, you know, the men's March Madness, you know, how do we get more games on, you know, nationally televised and things like that? Because I, th- I think it's going to happen. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, who, who are going to be the pioneers and, and really dive into that because they're going to, it's going to pay off for them. It's, it, it has to happen. Yeah. I mean, the popularity is just skyrocketed. And, and like you said, um, it's amazing to watch the, I mean, they're some of the best athletes, the ability, their, their quick motion, their jumping. I, it's, they're incredible athletes all around from the boys all the way through the girls. It's, it's amazing to watch. Yeah. And that's, that's true too, is that the boys volleyball is at its most popular ever. Right. Uh, we learned down at the convention, uh, last weekend that, you know, in high school, you know, there's over. 70,000 boys playing volleyball now. Wow. I mean, it was like a, what was it, like an 11% jump or 14% jump just in the last year. And uh, I think by 2028, I believe that's when we host the Olympics again. Yeah. The, the goal for the American Volleyball Coaches Association is to have all 50 states have sanctioned boys high school volleyball. Wow! Right now, I think okay. it's I think it's in the 30s right now, so they got a ways to go. Uh, but yeah, that's their goal because that is also growing in popularity. You know, right. boys, boys are figuring out how fun it is, and that you know, yeah. and that plays into where you're talking about just the athleticism. That that's fun to watch, but then the suspense, right? Those long rallies and just keeping it up, and you're at the edge of your seat and the back and forth, and you know that's. You know, it's, it's like an intense version of tennis, like an even more intense version, right? You get six people out there right. and all screaming and fighting over the ball and jumping, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great time. All right. So let's, uh, let's start, you know. So you're at Oshkosh North and you're coaching and you come to Xavier. What brings you to, to Xavier? What, uh, what draws you? Yeah, so <laughs> I was playing uh, – a men's league down in Oshkosh on Tuesday nights. It's just a four-on-four Sam league, and uh, one of uh, the people on our team was the former coach at Xavier. So he coached at okay. Xavier like 2007, like 2012, something there's something like that. And so he had told me that uh, the current coach at Xavier was resigning. Uh, she was going to step away. You know, she had a uh, a big family and just needed to take more time to focus on that. He's like, you should apply. And so I thought about it and eventually did again. I, I'm noticing this theme that it takes me a lot of convincing to do things. Um, <laughs> but you know, so yeah. And then, you know, June of, uh, 2016, I got hired there and yeah, I, I owe that to, to that former head coach for, for letting me know. And that, uh, that's been a journey. I'll tell you, yeah, it's been great. That's what I, I was going to ask. So what was the program like when you took over? Very competitive. I mean, very, competitive. very competitive. Okay. Yeah. They had just gotten done. They had gone to sectional semifinals the year before. Okay. Uh, we've always been in contention. 
you know, uh, to win conference. And so in 2009, that was the last time they had been to state and uh, they, they lost the state championship. They got runner up. And then, I mean, yeah, they were competing every year, whether that was a, you know, a regional final, or like I said, a sectional semi, you know, some conference titles in there. Uh, But that program was primed and and ready to go. Yeah. So it started off in a very good spot. What, do you think has helped Xavier continue and, and the girls program continue to have that success and, and be at that, the edge yeah. of being super successful like you are right now? What, what has, uh, what's contributed to that? We have such dedicated people at our youth levels. You okay. know, we'll start playing volleyball. Our middle school starts in fifth grade. Okay. And yeah. so the kids will start playing volleyball in fifth grade. And, and these are, you know, parent volunteers that are that are coaching these teams and hauling these kids all over and um i really think that that gives us an advantage and i I think that those extra two years really matters Uh, you know we've we've done a i think a good job as a staff to to add on to that as well with our youth camps you know, we, we do things throughout the year just to promote the sport and, you know, get mm-hmm. the kid that get the kids just in the gym watching. Um, and I think success can breed success. I mean, I remember these kids, the, the, like the current seniors, I remember them at, you know, sectional final volleyball games when they were in, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they kind of had their own little, you know, student sections of the middle schoolers, so to speak. And sure. You know, they see those girls and like we were talking about how the college women are now the role models. I mean, it also works in our system like that. They want to be those athletes. And yeah, you, know, you Xavier has I mean, I, I've been on the uh, scholarship committee for Red Smith for a number of years and um, Xavier has always had some pretty special athletes, um, athletes who are multiple letter winners. Mm-hmm. Um all kinds of things they're doing in the community. Uh, do you see a lot of that throughout your student body that these are just special kids? And I know you're going to we'll, we'll talk about your girls um, volleyball team in a little bit, but do you see that in the student body itself? Do, they're just good groups of kids. They are. They, I mean, they really are. And, and you look at that and you, you look at how hard they work in the classroom too. I mean, if, yeah. if you, if you're, <laughs> You know, if you're under a 3.7 or a 3.5 GPA, you're in the bottom half of your class. I mean, that's, you know, the, the standard is just a little bit different. And, you know, kids aren't just trying to meet the standard or trying to exceed it. And I think that that high academic rigor just bleeds down into everything else we do. I mean, okay. we're, we're so strong in our faith. We take our athletics, you know, maybe sometimes too seriously. But, um, you know, the arts and the theater department, right. we really are, uh, you know, we get committed and we, we go all in. And I, I think it's the people we have. Like I, I do, like at the middle school, we get these dedicated people that are willing to give kids opportunities that, that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. And then they want to make sure that they're doing it right. Right. Yeah. And I, I've seen that um, with different sport but the saints football program peter katz just giving a ton to those young those young uh boys playing uh sixth seventh and eighth grade football is 
was absolutely incredible. And if that's the type of person you have in your lower levels, I, I can understand why it's breeding success at your high school level. Yeah, Peter is a perfect example of one of those really committed people because it's not only football, right? The co-op between right. FBL and, and Xavier for the you know middle school football, which he pours just hundreds mm-hmm. of volunteer hours into, but now they've started it with wrestling. Wrestling, yeah. I've heard little rumors <laughs> that they want to start doing some baseball things. I mean, it's only going to continue to, to grow, you know, participation opportunities. And yeah, people like Peter, that's a great example. And the more opportunities you give these kids, like you talk about at the fifth grade level for volleyball, um, you know, that, that triggers, that, that gets these kids involved. Not only do they get involved with sports, but they know they have to become um, schedulers because they want to play sports. They have to mm-hmm. keep their grades up. And all these things kind of come together. And um, I, I, you know, I want to start talking about your teams. So you're at Xavier in, uh, did you say 2016 yeah. was the first year? So let's start talking about these teams and moving up to, to where you are today. So how was it coming from a public school like Oshkosh North and the team you had there and coming to a smaller school and smaller student body. Um, I, I don't know what your team size was. How was it that making that transition? Yeah, team size and participation was actually roughly the same. Okay. Um, you, know, you can only have you can only roster so many before it yep. starts to become you know a little bit of an issue. And <laughs> uh, you know, I will say one of the things that stood out to me right away was how much uh, the kids and then the parents just appreciated your time. Okay. You know, the, the thank yous after just routine practices and things like that. I mean, it really made you feel valued so that then you, you wanted to in turn give them more. And, and sure. maybe that's even part of, you know, the dedication of these, these parents is that they're teaching these kids just great values on top of it. Perfect, um, yeah. But I mean, unfortunately, so when I was at Oshkosh North, we were, we had our couple of years where we were competitive and then we had a couple of down years. Yeah, it was more challenging to get things started there. Um, you know, stepping into Xavier, though, right away, I mean, that first year, we were a state contender. I remember okay. we were ranked in the top 10 all year long. You know, we, we, had, a, we had a good run. Uh, you know, those first three years, we had uh, Elizabeth Grigorski, who ended up uh, playing at Madison. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's currently at Kansas State. She just finished up. What would be her fifth year? I think she had a red shirt in there. She had she had a bunch okay. of injuries, uh, both in high school and college, which kind of you know sidetracked some things. But you know she grew a ton from it. So we we had a, t- a tremendously talented group, um, and you know all those you know how we build that program from young on. You know we were able to kind of replenish that every year, so to speak, and. Uh, when COVID hit, things got a little uh, dicey for everyone. Right. We went from playing 40 games or so or more a year to we played 12 that year. Wow. You know, and that, yeah. and that took some time to kind of recover from. And, you know, it was, you know, someone who's as relationship-based as I try to be, Yeah, that wearing the mask was a barrier, you know. Sure. Not I don't want to get into right or wrong about it. But just just having it there, you know, them not being able to see your facial expressions, to hear you clearly, exactly. you to, you know, yep. they can't reciprocate, 
you know, so that those were two tough years because we wore them in 21 as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the current seniors were, were freshmen and sophomores during that time. And we had brought a good chunk of them up. Um, okay. You know, we had, we had kind of, we had a couple smaller classes, so to speak. And so they fit not only positionally, but also just, we knew there was an opportunity for them because of these season lengths were going to be shorter, you know, things are going to be a little bit more compromised uh, with, you know, smaller groups and things like that. So we had different opportunities to work with them. Uh, you know, these last two years though, have just been different, you know, and, and not that, you know, after we won in 22, you know, for me, it felt like we had done it for the entirety of the program, like the entire history of it, sure. right? Going back okay. to the seventies when it first started and uh, you know, all those alumni and all those previous coaches, right. Cause they hadn't, that was our first state title in history for, for girls. Wow. Volleyball. That's incredible. Yeah. And so it felt like, you know, nearly 50 years and if we finally, you know, hit the peak, hit the pinnacle. And so for me, that was really fulfilling you know, I'm one that likes to get into the history and, and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that year was just those kids learned so much from the adversity that, you know, COVID and, and those seasons threw at them that they wanted to make sure that they were going to have a good experience and that they were going to accept their role no matter what it was. And, you know, there wouldn't be little infighting. And if there were mm -hmm. little disagreements, they would just, you know, they'd sort it out and they wouldn't let it get to them on the court. And, you know, 22, you know, we won and it was just, you know, that kind of gripping edge of your seat, like, Oh, what's next? Can we do it? You know? Yeah. And, and then we did. And it was, like I said, it's so fulfilling this year, we returned all but one player from that 22 team. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so this year, you know, expectations had done, you kind of shifted, and, and yeah. we, we acknowledge that, but the biggest thing that we wanted to uh, just, you know, look, you know, right in the eyes was we can't get complacent, mm -hmm. right? We, we can't say like, oh, we should be better because we're a year older and because we returned everyone, you know, or almost everyone that we should just, oh, we should be able to do it again. We didn't. And we worked so hard. I mean, I remember the, the seniors give speeches at our end of the year banquet. You know, so we had, you know, six girls were up there and they're all bawling their eyes out of how much the program means to them. And, you know, one of them had just said, like, you know, we had set out to make complacency our enemy and we just never let it in. And, yes. and it was, and I, I hate to talk like this, but I mean, our postseason run was, it was pretty dominant. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> and like I said, I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm not being humble, but I mean, the scores of those games and we didn't drop a set and, no. you know, those girls, that's those girls. And when we played the state championship, that was the best game we played all year. You know, wow. they continue to find ways to level up in those moments. Uh, it was a special, special two teams for sure. So going back I mean, maybe this was in 21 or maybe it was sometime in 22. When did you get that, that inkling that, yeah, this is, this is a possibility that we can go to state and not only goal, we can win. Yeah. I mean, I think it might even go back to 2016. 
I mean, okay. th- that first year, I mean, I, I remember I, we used to run like two or three day tryouts of that. And I remember we, we formed varsity and we kind of have them go to one gym and we do JV and we have them go to another area and so on. And I remember walking into the, into the gym, our main gym with the new varsity. I mean, right. We've been formed for minutes mm-hmm. and, you know, I looked at them and I'm like, Hey, you know, this is your 2016 Xavier volleyball team. Yeah. You guys ready to work? And I said, Hey, we're going to go all the way to state. I said it in okay. 2016. Right. And so that didn't happen for six years, <laughs> you know, but, but it's, it's always, it's just been kind of that goal looming off, you know, kind of in the shadows, so to speak that, you know, like, Hey, we're going to work as hard as we can to give ourselves a shot to get there. Sure. So then with this group in particular, I mean, I, I saw some of these seniors when they were coming up as, you know, sixth, seventh graders. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the way it just worked out with numbers and, and positions and things like that, you know, we were able to bring a good amount up their freshman and sophomore years and just be able to train and develop them. I even wondered, you know, like in that 21 season, you know, do we have what it takes? You know, I, th- I think we could yeah. make a run. You know, and you know, some things just didn't go our way and, you know, it is what it is. But like I said, all that adversity through those two years, just it toughened our kids up. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And then that 22 season, uh, we actually, we played FEL. Yeah. <laughs> we played FEL at, at Xavier in the middle of the season. Okay. And I think it was four weeks before that, we lost a heartbreaker to them at a tournament. It, okay. it, you know, it was really close, went to the final set. And so about a month later, and again, I hate to talk like this, but we just blew them out. <laughs> I, mean, it, I think they got to 16, you know, we played a 25. They got to 16. Yeah. That was the highest score in one of the sets. And I mean, I remember, I remember addressing the team the next day. And I just said, like, hey, if you guys want to get to state, like, at this point, that's almost a choice. Yeah. You know, yep. we, got, we got four or so weeks left of the regular season. How hard do you want to work? How much do you believe in yourself and each other? Because, like, we are that talented. And if we can keep all the other things together, you know, there's, you know, a lot of things would have to go wrong. We'd have to hit one of those generational teams right. that, that could yep. get in our way. And so we really just bought into that and, you know, um, you know, we weren't trying to be arrogant or anything, but we're just, you know, again, trying to give young ladies confidence, you know, but also just trying to get them to acknowledge like you are that good, you know, so. That's awesome. Yeah. So I suppose, you know, you look at that and you're hungry for that first title. It's a totally different type of motivation, excuse me, that you need to have this year to say, all right, we did it once. Let's go out and do it again, but mm-hmm. we all still have to have that drive. Yeah, and it's you're right. It is it is a different motivation. That first one is awfully sweet. It is right because <laughs> it's well, it's you know it's something as an athlete or a coach. I mean, you work you know your entire career for, right? Right. You, you know if, if that's you know your goal and you know this year, yeah, expectations were higher and we acknowledge them, but it, we tried not to compare ourselves to that team. You know, yeah. as, you know, we we didn't want to look back and be like, oh, the twenty two team would be doing this. We never did that. You know, okay. they, they didn't need any anything like that. You know, I think my goal, and I might have said it in one of the press conferences after one of the state games, is 
you know, whether the kids realize it or not, like my number one priority was to take as much pressure off them as possible. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if we worked in practice and we, we could maintain, you know, a reasonable amount of focus for a high school team, you know, again, you know, we, we had the talent. We just had to keep everything together and just trying to keep moving forward. And those kids really bought into it. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have some, some players who are moving on to the next level? Uh, you said you had a, a group of, you know, you didn't lose anybody, you know, so do you have some girls that are, are leaving your program, but moving on to the next levels? So um, we have uh, Olivia Newman. She was a middle uh, blocker for us and she will be playing at Green Bay next year. UWGB. Okay. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Both her parents went there and um, <laughs> you know, it was a really good fit. That's a good close tight knit family. Uh, so to be close to home and to, you know, play D one volleyball, which was a dream of hers. Right. Is, it's awesome. And uh, we got a, we got a few others, you know, a couple are still looking our setter. Uh, you know, she still wants to play really bad okay. and, you know, and she's one too, that uh, very high academic and, you know, she wants to go on and, you know, become a surgeon and, you know, so it's, it's really got to be a good fit for her too. Sure. You know, so, and then we got a lot of multi-sport athletes as well. I mean, a couple of girls that are okay. playing basketball currently, and yep. then, um, you know, a couple of kids in, in spring that'll be, you know, on track and soccer and things like that. So, uh, yeah, tr- tremendously talented group athletically, but uh, better people too. I mean, really, really good group. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask you that you, you brought that up. I was going to ask you how many multi-sport athletes you have on that, on that team. It's, it's at some point or another, every kid on that team was a multi-sport athlete. Okay. Yep. Um, there are a couple that have stopped and I think they're sure. just in volleyball now, but you know, okay. even, you know, they would do it like through their sophomore year. Right. You know, that seems to be that, that, tipping point right yep. it, it does yeah and if you know I, I try to like you know i try to like you know talk you know uh, talking them into like well you know if you, you don't have to do three sports you know if, <laughs> if you know winter or spring is too much maybe you know make it you know a different season and and things like that and you know i was a track guy so i'm always trying to you know advocate for track and like you know yep. there's there's a spot or a event for everyone you yeah know, you, you don't want to run distance, great, run sprints. You can't jump up, <laughs> jump out, right? You know, things like that. And exactly. If you can't do any of that, try throwing. And, you know, things like, you know, there, there's, you know, again, like you had said, you know, they're developing different muscle groups, they're using them in different ways. And, yeah, they learn different roles you know, in those sports. So, so I, I wanted to touch on one other thing. So you're at Xavier, you're the uh, volleyball coach. So how did, uh, how did you think that, yeah, I, I want to take on this uh, athletic director job as well. So when I got my master's, um, you know, it was coaching and athletic administration. That yeah. was one of the goals I had was uh, I wanted to become an AD. Uh, you know, the other goal was to, uh, you know, maybe someday down long down the, the road here, maybe you want to play or coach in college. Sure. But, you know, that, that AD and that role and knowing the – the former athletic director at Xavier, Mrs. Bates, and you know, she had been there forever. And, yeah. um, you know, when, when I got hired, I didn't think much of it. But then a few years in, you know, she had started mentioning retirement every year. And, you know, I had just started thinking like, well, you know, I maybe I should start 
you know, learning a little bit more about that job and what it all really takes. And so I started, um, I just started helping with some game management things, you know, for uh, a couple of football games and some basketball games and things like that. And just tried to gain some, you know, real life experience and uh, very blessed to have been chosen for that position. You know, it was a a pretty highly sought after position from what I had, had been told. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a very highly academic, obviously, school, but athletically, too. So, I mean, it's right. it's a great position to be in because you have some of that success. And so even those long days where, you know, maybe things aren't going your way and you're doing some of the non-fun things of the job, you can you can look back and, you know, realize that you're doing it for the kids and, you know, ha- having them be successful doesn't hurt. It's not all about that, obviously, but, yeah. you know seeing their hard work pay off is rewarding too. That's awesome. Now you have some excitement going around Xavier right now, as far as this, as far as the athletic program is concerned, what's going on uh, looking at your future plans at Xavier? Yeah. So we, um, a long time coming and a lot of years of work have been put into this. They predate me even. Uh, We finally broke ground uh, to install field turf on our, on our main stadium field. And so uh, that happened back in November and we're looking at a end of June completion date. So it'll be All ready right. for the fall sports season. Uh, but we're, we're awfully excited about that. And it's going to, I just think give us a, you know, give the kids another edge, some pride to be in for Xavier and our facilities. It's, you know, I think a lot of people might look at it and be like, Oh, is this just a football project? And no, right? It's it's not right. a, you know it's going to benefit both boys and girls soccer. Yep. It's also going to give um, well lacrosse is a new WIA sport. It's yep. going to you know and while we're not the whole school of those co-ops, you know I have reached out to those those schools and just said like look we once we have this turf we'd be willing to host you know a game a year, you know if there ever needs to be an alternate site for practices, you know mm-hmm. now we have that you know, availability. It also gives the Saints football program another place to play. Right. You know, it'll be a consistent surface in bad weather, uh, especially, you know, I look at, you know, that early spring season, right? March, April, where we're mm-hmm. canceling events. And the first time the softball team gets outside, it's for a game and not a practice. Right, exactly. You know, and <laughs> while, while they can't, you know, they can't really play on it, you know, a game, they can go out there and they can throw. They can field, right. they can run around outdoors, and they can even do a little bit of batting practice on it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just going to it's gonna be different. Instead of scheduling all these, you know, soccer games at home and then have to play them away on turf, we can actually host. <laughs> uh, so, sure. So we're excited, and we're just excited for the upgrade in, uh, you know, facilities. It's It's been a number of years since a major athletic upgrade, okay. you know, to, to that extent. I think it was around 2006 we uh, added an auxiliary gym. Um, okay. So, so yeah, we're we're excited. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize, how, you know, they just think of football. Oh, you're putting in a turf field. Okay, but like you said, all of these other sports benefit from it, and it's it's just it gives the kids a, you know, like like you said, a sense of pride mm-hmm. that yeah, this is ours. This is this is where we practice. This is where we play. This is our field. Huge, huge piece of pride for them.
is there anything else that you know you want to mention or you want to shout out or anything else i know we've been about an hour here and want to be sure you know mindful of your time anything else you want to we're out there we're in the we're in the middle of the winter sports season right now and you know uh, boys and girls basketball are both doing great and you know having having a good year so far and you know our our wrestling wrestling program is uh they just got their first uh a big conference win last week and they they were excited about that and uh yeah both boys and girls hockey which were the lead school of the uh the co-ops as well you know they're you know they're out there uh competing as well and uh, it's just, you know, winter is always an exciting time because, you know, I'm so busy in fall with, with you know, trying to juggle, you know, both roles of coach and, and AD. And yeah, it's not that I'm less busy, but I just can use my time differently. Sure. And so, you know, you get to have more opportunities to go and watch practice, even if it's just for five minutes just to pop in and, and to, you know, you get to pay attention to the games a little bit more because you're not worrying about something else happening in the background or... Um, so yeah, so good luck to all those teams as they, uh, well, as they you know, hit, hit about the midway season of their, uh, or midpoint right. of their season. So, well, Luke, I I appreciate you coming on. It was great to learn a little bit about your story. It was awesome to hear that journey through that Xavier volleyball program and where you guys are, and you know, looking ahead, hopefully, you guys can make a nice run again next year. Um, don't want to jinx anything or push anything <laughs> on you, but um, what a great two years. It's been super exciting uh, to, to know what's going on and to just see these teams in the news and run through state like you guys did this year. That was fantastic to watch. So, you know, really appreciate your time and um, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. It was great. that time again once again it's time for a red smith banquet throwback and for this episode we go back to the year of COVID when we put on a virtual banquet our own jeremy davis sat down with legendary basketball coach bo ryan and what makes this interview so special is jeremy is a uw madison graduate but he was also bo ryan's manager so jeremy sat on the bench with bo ryan through an ncaa tournament final four appearance that whole thing so it makes for a really really interesting and intimate conversation with the legendary bo ryan red smith sports awards banquet throwback Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin. And also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. He's the 2021 Red Smith Award winner. He is Coach Bo Ryan. Coach, thanks for joining us. It's nice to visit with you and and to the uh, the things that you're doing now and that you're out there trying to help people you're out there trying to help the youth of uh, appleton and doing this this thing with me and 
I'm really happy because it's nice to know that former players and managers give back. I, when we were talking about scheduling uh, today's interview, I loved hearing that really the one thing we were working around was making sure that you could watch the Badgers later today. You still watch every single possession. I do. I do. And watching games, uh, it, to me, is one of the hardest things to do when it's your former assistant or a family member or both. In this case, uh, with Will, at being at Green Bay, I last about uh, 30 seconds, watch three turnovers, and Kelly throws me out of the room <laughs> uh, because of my comments. Um, you know, I'd like to see him at least cut that down to two turnovers in the first three minutes. Um, but, no, he's uh, w watching, watching Greg and, and, uh, with the Badgers and watching Will with Green Bay. It's, it's interesting. For me, J.D., it is very, very difficult to watch somebody that I've been very close to over the years, uh, family and former assistants and former players. But as I get older, Kelly's hoping that I'll mellow a little bit. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still waiting. She's still waiting, though, yeah. How, how often do you check in with Coach Gard? Oh, we talk maybe once a week. We try to stay connected as possible, but I do not bother him during the season or – uh, call and if, if he knows where to find me, if he's uh, if he's looking for um, you know a tip or like remember when we did this or remember when we did that, uh, what made us do that? Um, every once in a while, but he's been at it long enough now where he's gonna he's gonna go way past the rest of us uh, relics that coached at Wisconsin. He'll he'll break all those records and he'll do it in a way where he'll be teaching a lot of good things to his student athletes. Um, one of the most interesting guys that I ever met um, was the guy who coached you, uh, Coach Rainey. Um, he was both your high school and college coach, one of the most unique characters I've ever been around. Can you talk about what led to you playing for him at both levels and then what your relationship is with him now? Yeah, and I'm glad you said played for him in high school and college because when we tell people or somebody brings it up that I played for him for seven years, everyone thinks that my grades in <laughs> high school. So it was three years in high school, four years in college. I went to the college, um, to Wilkes University because of Coach Rainey. I was going to either Temple or Rutgers um, at the time. And it just, it just seemed natural to continue to play for him. Uh, he had that kind of influence. Other than my dad, no one else has ever had uh, anywhere near the influence uh, that Coach Rainey has. He's a much more of a character, much easier to get along with when, when he's not your coach. <laughs> and, he, and he was my assistant coach at Platteville um, and did a great job of staying out of my way, as I always <laughs> and, but, so, but he so stayed around for... <laughs> but he was... No, he, his insight and his... Uh, and the players, the players loved him. Um, you know, the, I was the good guy. He or the bad guy, excuse me. He was the good guy, and he could always calm guys down and uh, and do that for us. So, um, and it was really neat going to the Final Fours and having him right at my side the whole time um, for the whole experience. Uh, he um, he was like a kid in a candy store, but yes, he had a very big influence. Um, he was the guidance counselor of my high school, besides being the head coach. 
I was president of the class, so I spent all my non-classroom hours at his office. What was it about the Cole Center playing at home that was so special that, that helped you be so dominant there? So I think our consistency really helped um, make the Cole Center what it was for the fans, and the fans in return gave us their energy, and we certainly used it. Coach, even though you've retired now, I know you're still very involved with Coaches versus Cancer. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that cause means to you um, and how you're still involved with that? I appreciate you bringing that up. I, my, the person who got me into college coaching that gave me my first job was Bill Cofield. Bill Cofield was the first African-American head coach of any major sport in the Big Ten in 1976, and very few people know about it. Uh, but I, I, I thanked him uh, recently with the uh, virtual um, thing that I did for the, for the Wisconsin Hall of Fame. And people said, well, who's that? I said, well, he was a coach. He coached at Lincoln University, coached at um, Prairie View, and then coached in, at Dominican College where Kelly and I met, and then was an assistant at Virginia with Terry Holland and then got the Wisconsin job. The reason I'm bringing him up with your question of coaches versus cancer, we were let go in 1982. And I say we, the staff, and within a year, Coach Cofield died of pancreatic cancer. I had an assistant coach at Platteville, Denny Morgan, same thing. In, intestinal cancer. My roommate from college, best friend, um, pancreatic cancer. So when we got together and started the Coaches versus Cancer in Madison, uh, we had no idea where it was going to go. We raised about 60000 the first year, and the last year the highest was $1.5 So we've raised about $8 million for cancer research, a lot of it staying right at the Carbone Center in Madison and some of it going to the best um, programs out there, the best research centers in certain areas, because um, the American Cancer Society channels money to the best of the best and also locally. So uh, the way that people in Wisconsin responded to our coaches versus cancer, there's no other school, there's no other place in the country that raises what, what we do in Madison. It's already shown it's positive effects. There's better detection. There's better treatment. There's more and more things happening. Cancer hasn't gone away. Um, and so coaches versus cancer isn't going to go away. We're still going to, as coaches, take that up as our um, charity of choice. And it's obviously near and dear to my heart. And uh, hopefully we can eradicate this thing. So by raising funds, um, that's how we're trying to be a part of the solution. Well, it's certainly an incredible job that you've done thus far helping with that cause. We certainly appreciate you helping with our charity here today as well. Um, thank you for uh, my time that I had with you in college. Thank you for your time here today. And congratulations on being the 2021 Red Smith Award winner. I certainly am humbled uh, to, to be sitting here knowing that uh, that people up there uh, actually would uh, would bestow that uh, to a guy like myself who grew up with a dad who did more for youth sports 
in the Philly area than any person I've ever met. And that's not because he was my dad. He started two youth organizations. Uh, one has his name to it on the football field and uh, with very limited funds. And there's a lot of players that he coached that I know are very thankful for what he did for youth sports. So what you're doing up there, this, this Red Smith Award uh, and this get together that you're gonna have, even though it's virtual this year, keep up the good work because there's a lot of kids who maybe never will say thank you, but deep in their hearts, they know that they've been helped by people who care about their development when they're young. Well, I appreciate you saying that coach. Thanks again for your time and go Badgers. Forever. All right, time for that segment where we try our hardest to just totally forget something, although it never happens. And we talk about what we never want to forget. It is forgotten and never forgotten. So, Joe, I'm going to let you, what is your, what is your forgotten? Well, Tosh, like we said earlier, maybe this is the first time we set up, we're, we're taping this on New Year's Day 2024. And it's forgotten. I'm going to see how long I can forget this, Tosh, but it's snow. Man, there is no snow. This is unbelievable. Right. It's been 50 degrees. It's been no snow. I mean, there's a little dusting out there, I I, I know. But uh, this is just nuts. And, and maybe this happens before, but uh, snow has definitely, definitely been forgotten. Yeah, it, it, is, it does happen. I mean, if you look back to the, even the 1950s, and you look at decades in the 1950s, there were only five years that we had white Christmas um, in the 50s. But as we move through and progress through, um, we've it, it, it is a little bit. It seems like we haven't had any snow. But three years ago, my boys were out skating on the outdoor <laughs> rink and there was snow. So the last two years have been kind of warm. And uh, but. You know, we have short, short memories, right? We do that. That's so, cause I was going to ask you like, why is that? Cause we always, especially around the holidays, we always maybe just fantasize, romanticize about, yeah. you know, a foot of snow outside. We have a fire going, we have a nice warm house. Yeah. You know, uh, there's yeah. always snow and cold, but that, that isn't always the case. And I'm just, I don't know, maybe that's just, it's a human. I'm always curious by that thought because I do the same thing. I always feel like, well, we always have snow at Christmas, but we really don't always have no. snow at Christmas. No, and I think when I looked, when I saw an article about white Christmases, um, we really only average about like six to seven per decade. Yeah, white Christmases. So there's there's three or four years through that decade that we don't have a white Christmas. It's interesting, Tosh. That's why I love doing this podcast. Makes you think. <laughs> Makes you think. Well, Tosh, with that, what are you thinking of, of forgetting? Well, for me, school starts again tomorrow, oh. which would be the second. Sorry. And um, this is a long stretch now um, without any time off. And I just, I, I hate January and February. January, February, and March are the longest stretch of this entire school year. Yeah. We have like a break here or a break there, but it's not like, you know, when you start school, you you have a break around 
in October. Then you have a break in Thanksgiving. Then you have Christmas break. Now, really, our, we have to look forward to spring break. Right. So this is a long stretch, and I, I always want to forget this stretch of school. It, it gets long. I mean, it'll be good for a couple of weeks here, but then it starts all of a sudden dragging and dragging, and it gets worse and worse. So I want to forget about these these months. January and February are the two longest months of school. I never thought of that. I guess it's kind of like the dog days of summer, right, from baseball? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel for you. Plus, it's just dark all those months. You just get oh, no sunlight. Absolutely. And when you teach at Appleton East, you have no windows as well. So, oh yes, yes. Ah, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> so there's there's not a lot of suns being seen during the week for me. But yeah. oh well, you have to uh, you have to deal with it. So yeah. Well, we're forgetting about some stuff. What do we never want to forget? Well, Tash, I I guess it's maybe my motto. You and I aren't too big on resolutions necessarily, but maybe one that I'm kind of taking and somebody told this to me and I thought, you know what, I'm going to adopt this way of thinking. It's what Clint Eastwood always says. And, and yeah, that guy's in great shape for 90, whatever he is. Um, he's pretty good. And his motto is don't let the old man in. So I'm never forgetting that motto. That's going to be 2024. Don't let the old man in and just fight that guy off. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a battle. I see a lot of trips to crunch for you. Yeah, and a lot of steps with your job. So, yeah, it might be a might be a little easier to fight that man off. It's doable, I think, for me. So, I uh, this is something recent for me, um, and it's become a tradition because of the NHL, and that is the uh, the Winter Classic, which is on New Year's Day. Um, we've kind of, you know, as a family, we've we've started continuing watch this and we get together and sit around and watch that outdoor classic game. Um, and I, you know, there's something classic about an outdoor NHL game. And, uh, this year it's in Seattle and, um, beautiful weather out there, 45 degrees and they have ice. It's a little slow. Uh, the sun's shining in Seattle, which it usually, I shouldn't say usually isn't, but that's the, uh, common, common, uh, idea that it doesn't doesn't have sun in seattle but um yeah cool cool uh thing that they do uh you know they've had lots of people on and they've had lots of places i mean they had a winter classic in dodger stadium yeah which is unbelievable um basically they've said that they can put ice anywhere that's um, crazy so we'll have to see there's a couple places they've talked about they they've talked about a winter classic in florida oh could you of all man. things they think they think they could do it, so we'll have to see what happens there, and possibly one in Arizona. So is it so, the, is it actual ice or is it what we had talked about? In a, it's actual okay. ice. Boy, yeah, it's ice, and they can they keep that refrigerated. Cool that no kidding, they do. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, Boy. yeah, it's a fun tradition. I mean, they've they've been doing this for, oh gosh, I don't even know. They have several outdoor games, but the Winter Classic is the big one on New Year's Day. Yeah. You know, speaking of crunch, I was actually there today and I saw on one of the TVs they had it on. So I was watching it from a, from a stair stepper <laughs> for a little while. Awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Boys and I sit around, and especially when we don't have ice on the backyard rink. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we can look at it there. What were the snacks? So, uh, beer dip and pretzels. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had Rice Krispie bars. We had 
Oh gosh, what else is there? There's brownies. There's a lot of leftovers from last night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gotta love leftovers. Who Taylor asked us that, right? <laughs> leftovers. We're, we're big leftovers yep. guys. Yep, that's exactly it. So. Yeah. Well, that was an old. That was not an old looking new. That was a look at uh, forgotten and never forget. Never forget what segment we're on. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the NoosaCast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd hit up our social pages, subscribe, like, follow, and don't be afraid to engage. Head over to our YouTube channel to get exclusive content like the full interviews and speeches from past Red Smith banquets. Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thank you to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Help us grow by subscribing wherever you get your pods or sharing the NoosaCast. Follow us on Facebook, X, TikTok, or Instagram. One of the best ways to help us grow is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and bring greater awareness for youth sports organizations in Northeast Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays Grant, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student athletes. 